Welcome to TNT Sports Talk. Today is Tuesday, October 30th. As always, we are presented by D's Home Cuts. I'm your host, Travis Karcheski. Just me today. Um, Truman's still away at school. But we do have a lot of news to break down. We got World Series. We got Boston won another championship. We got another dumpster fire going on in Cleveland. We got trade deadline kicking down here. Uh, we got about two hours. I'm recording this at 2 o'clock. Um, so we're going to be having some news going on during the show, I highly believe. But we will keep you updated as that goes along. No question to answer today because we got a lot of segments I want to get to. Um, but obviously we're going to go through football, baseball, basketball. You know what we do. Top headlines in each category. Um, and then we'll do some segments at the end. So like I said, this is this show is a little different because we will have some breaking news, I believe, during it. Um, I'm going to try to keep you as updated as possible. Obviously, it's 2 o'clock right now. The trade deadline of the NFL ends at 4. Um, so I highly expect, actually, news was going on as soon as I was you know, getting ready to start this show. So I'll, I will keep you updated the best I can. I'll, I'll have Twitter going, you know. During the uh, show, I have updates on my phone. So once something happens, you'll be the first to know. Um, and that's what we like to do here at TNT Sports Talk. So let's get into it. Let's start with the World Series. Um, baseball is over, sadly. Uh, it was a crazy World Series. Boston, like I said, closed it out 5-1 to one on Sunday. Um, that just makes it, you know, four titles for the Red Sox in 15 seasons after a long period of just losing and heartbreak. Uh, they have now embarrassment of riches, of riches, winning four titles in 15 seasons. Um, it was a good World Series, a solid World Series. Nothing like um, the Indians and Cubs a couple years ago. Uh, it wasn't, there wasn't anything crazy going on. It was just kind of, you know, just a solid classic World Series. You know, the 18-inning game on a... Uh, Friday was insane. Nobody really stood up for that unless you are a diehard fan. Um, and thankfully, I am not a diehard Red Sox or Dodgers fan. Um, it was an interesting World Series. Uh, and there's a lot of different things going on right now. The Red Sox had a very good team this year. Uh, this is the first time I wrote it down. This is the first time a team wins the World Series with the highest baseball payroll uh, since the 2009 Yankees. So, Whoever spent the most this year won, and that was obviously the Red Sox. But I think it was more than that. Uh, a lot of these guys were homegrown, talented guys, uh, and they just really did a good job of, you know, this team does a good job of, you know, when things are falling apart, they just let it fall apart, and then they fix it over the offseason, and you really don't even remember how, the, how bad the Red Sox were earlier on. So, like I said, Alex Cora led this team to a club record of 108 regular season wins. Uh, and then he took them to the playoffs where they beat the 100-win Yankees, which was impressive, their rivals. And then they beat, you know, the Astros, the World Series champion Astros, who failed to uh, go back-to-back. -back. Uh, they had 103 wins. So these, this team beat some solid teams in the playoffs. And, you know, at the end of the day, they deserve to be the champions. I think we all thought of that. Um, I think we viewed the... Uh, World Series, the uh, ALCS, as the uh, World Series kind of decider. I know the Brewers and Dodgers made it a little interesting, but I think the uh, the Red Sox were the best team in baseball, and I think at the end we saw that. Uh, so a little couple stats on the game. You know, Alex Cora was the first manager ever to win a World Series, who was born in Puerto Rico. Um, you know, Boston outscored the Dodgers twenty-eight to sixteen in this entire series. Uh, Boston's batting average during this series was two twenty-two, and the Dodgers was one eighty. Uh, so not that much, not that much of a difference. But the Dodgers, I mean, the Red Sox got the hits when it really mattered, and that was you know the key factor in deciding who won this game. Uh, you know, Xander Bogarts is the only player, only active player. Obviously, they have a couple guys who are inactive, like Pedroia. Um, but Bogarts was the only active player from the 2013 World Series team. Um, so that was cool to see him. Uh, but it's interesting, you know, have that much turnover in what five years that they haven't had a, they haven't really been there or uh, winning it. Uh, but it's cool to see a guy like that, you know, keep on with his team. Like I said, Pedroia was on the team, but he wasn't active. Uh, like I said, Steve Pierce won, or I didn't say, Steve, Steve Pierce won the MVP. Um, Got to give credit to him. You know, they acquired him from Toronto in June, uh, and he went off, especially in the last 11 innings. He hit three home runs and 11 RBIs. Uh, you know, he hit that two-run home, two run home run on Sunday off of Kershaw. Uh, you could have given Price the, the MVP as well, but I think Pierce... Uh, was deserving of it too. I know a lot of uh, Red Sox fans were a little pissed that uh, 
Pierce got it. They really wanted to see Price get it because I know Price has been given a lot of uh, crap lately about how well he pitches in the playoffs. And he went lights out in the World Series. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but he pitched insanely well. And you got to give credit to a guy like that. Um, you know, David Price has been known for a long time as a guy who, you know, plays really well in the regular season and then kind of folds in the offseason, um, in the postseason, sorry. Uh, and he didn't do that. He had a couple rough starts early on in the playoffs, but when the moment got to be its brightest, uh, Price showed out and he played really well. Um, so you got to give it to that. You got to give it to him. So uh, the Rides of Red Sox won, like I said, Ford fourth title in 15 seasons. Um where the Dodgers go from here, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, this is back-to-back World Series losses for them. Uh, I know what I don't know what Dave Roberts, you know, wants to do here. I don't know what the upper management with the Dodgers wants to do if they want to tear it down, which I think would be dumb because they do have a lot of young talent. Uh, do you sign back Kershaw? He's a free agent. I'm not sure. I I don't know what I would do. We'll probably get into it a lot more as the winter progresses. Um, but in terms of where the Dodgers go from here, they have young talent. Um, you know, they have Bellinger, they have uh, Jock Peterson, guys like that. Puig still young, Justin Turner still in his prime. Um, and they have, you know, Walker Bueller, who looks like the next ace for this team. He's really young, and he's pitching in key moments in these playoffs. Um, Stripling showed a little bit for them. They have Kelly Jen- They have Jensen locked up for a little bit longer. Um, so this team has talent. They're going to lose Machado. I don't believe they'll sign him back. It really wouldn't make sense for them to do so. Uh, so where this team goes from here, I'm not so sure. They have the talent. Um, do you sign Kershaw back? It's going to be a lot of. It's going to be a winter full of questions for the Dodgers. Uh, you know, it hurts losing two World Series back to back. So we'll see where they go from here. Um, but as far as that goes, that's it on the World Series. We will get into it a little bit later, more about the World Series. Uh, I got a couple uh, things I wanted to talk about at the end of the show. Um, but we are going to start with football. Like I said, week eight, we uh, had a pretty pretty quiet week, I would say. Um, there, was, there was about two to three games, I would say, was pretty solid, uh, which we'll talk about in a second, but mostly it was pretty quiet, you know, especially, um, I know people like to call it the witching hour, the hour of, uh, where every, every single one o'clock game kind of lines up and it's the fourth quarter of every single one of those games. Um, they call it the witching hour. I was kind of quiet except for maybe Tampa Bay, Cincinnati, which we'll talk about, you know, a lot of these games were blowouts, um, and everybody kind of knew what was going to happen, uh, as the, uh, game went along, you know, because just the leads got bigger and bigger. But we will talk about that, and then we're going to talk about the Browns. we got to talk about them, and then we are going to talk about the trade deadline. I'm going to keep you updated as much as I possibly can. But let's start with NFL Week 8. And you know we're going to start in Houston on Thursday night. It uh, was a barn burner there in Houston. Houston got the win 42-23 to as Miami continues to bleed out. Um, and Houston continues to rise with a five-game win streak. Uh, sadly, they lost uh, Will Fuller with a torn ACL, but they did fix that with a recent trade, which we will talk about in a second. Um, but 42-23 to as the Houston Texans continue to show the rest of the league why they are a contender in the uh, for the Super Bowl. Next game, we're going to go 9 a.m. on Sunday, which I hate. I hate those 9 a.m. games because uh, then I wake up and I forget about them and then I you know do my thing and then next thing you know it's halftime of the Philadelphia-Jacksonville game and I have no clue what's going on right now. I missed the whole half of football. So I hate these crazy times. I know some people like it so they can just get up and watch football, but that's not me. I need a, I need a good four hours of being awake before I can get myself mentally and physically prepared to watch football. Um, and starting a game at 9 a.m. just ain't going to do it for me. Uh, I know they do these a lot, and I just I miss them every single year. You know, sometimes, sometimes if I hit it just right, I'll wake up at like 8 o'clock and I can really watch it. But majority of the time, I, it's just a complete surprise to me that this game is on right now, and I just completely lose it all train of thought and I'm just pissed at myself because I missed an entire half of football. Um, but Philadelphia got the win 24-18 as as the Jacksonville Jaguars lose four straight. Blake Bortles uh, undefeated record in London falls at the hands of the Philadelphia Eagles, Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz as the Eagles 
still confuse us because we don't know what to think about them yet. They did make a big trade, though, a couple minutes ago, and we will talk about that in a little bit. Um, but Philadelphia, like I said, got the win 24-18. Now we go to regular football at a regular time, uh, 1 o'clock on a Sunday. Um, Baltimore at Carolina. Carolina won 36-21. And I think everybody kind of assumes now that Carolina is one of the best teams in the NFC. Um, they beat a good Baltimore team. Baltimore, uh, I was really high on early. Not anymore. I think they're not that good. Uh, Carolina, though, played really well. Uh, they really are using Christian McCaffrey the right way. Um, and I got to give North Turner credit because he's you know he's an older guy. He's been around the league for a long time. But the way he's using uh, Christian McCaffrey, all these other talents, you know, DJ Moore got a couple of really nice plays. I got to give him credit. He's doing a great job. Um, and he's making Cam look like the MVP candidate we saw a couple of years ago that met him to the Super Bowl. I'm uh, not saying the Super Bowl contenders. Don't don't jump my don't jump on me really quick because I said that. I'm not saying they're Super Bowl contenders. I'm saying they're right there though. Um, slowly starting to you know build something there in Carolina, which could be interesting to see. Next game: Jets and Chicago. Uh, the Jets lost to the Bears, 24 to 10. Trubisky played a pretty good game. Um, it's clear Matt Nagy's offense is running a lot around Trubisky um, and him running the ball. Um, there's a lot of design QB runs, which is interesting because coming out of college, Trubisky was known as a good athlete, but he wasn't a, you know, pretty much just a pure runner type of thing. But he is a really good running quarterback. He's athletic. Um, the thing I saw, though, watching this game, is he takes to take a lot of hits. Uh, he's got kind of a small frame. He doesn't have the Cam Newton frame uh, to get involved in these type of hits. He doesn't really slide that much and as a Bears fan that would worry me a little bit um, but he is playing well uh, and they did beat a pretty and know the Jets suck they beat a pretty bad Jets team Sam Darnold is a really good quarterback but he's is going to be a really good quarterback but he's just not um, there yet in terms of his, the weapons around him you know his offensive line is trash and his weapons around him are kind of trash too next game probably Next to the Packers-Rams game, this was probably the best game. Tampa Bay at Cincinnati. Cincinnati won 37-34, but please do not look at that score and just think it was just a regular old game. I'm going to start you off in the in about third quarter here. The, the Buccaneers are down by three scores. Jameis Winston is bleeding. Uh, he's looking like complete trash. He's looking like... When Jameis Winston struggles, he struggles hard. And it's it's hard to watch because I you know I know a lot of people have a lot of opinions on Jameis. You know they hate him, they like him. Me personally, I really don't have that much of an opinion on him. He does he he's just a thing to me. You know he's just a quarterback. He's not much of a I don't have much emotion tied into him. Um, but when he struggles, it's hard to watch, and you can't help but feel for the guy. I mean he throws five, uh, four or five. I think it was four ugly picks. And the Buccaneers just look like trash. Um, so where do they turn? They go back to that bench and they they rub their hands together. You know, it's Halloween time. They need a little Fitz magic. And Fitzpatrick came out there. First drive let him down to a field goal. Second drive, 76, 77-yard bomb to Mike Evans. Um, and then a solid, and then the third drive, I, I can't remember who caught the winning, the tying touchdown, but... Uh, he led them to another touchdown and then led them to the uh, two-point conversion. Fitzmagic starting again next week, and it's Fitzmagic time all over again in the NFL. We get to see it all over again. Usually, when Fitzpatrick gets those periods of starting, they get over pretty quickly, and you don't hear from him for about a year, year and a half. But we're going to get him two times now in the season, and that's just a special treat. You know, Roger Goodell and all the other heads, offices, head Head guys over there at the New York office uh, at the NFL are been, have been cooking up for us. Um, getting to see Fitzpatrick two times in a season is like Christmas. Uh, he's one of my favorite quarterbacks. And now everybody who dropped him in their fantasy league scrambling to pick him up again because they believe in Fitzmagic. They believe it's alive and well. Um and it's interesting because the wide receivers for the Buccaneers seem like they like playing with Fitzpatrick more because when Fitzpatrick's on, he's on. When he's off, he's off. But I don't think you can be much worse than what Winston was or what Winston has been in the past couple of weeks. So ride the Fitzmagic again, see if you can get it going again, and uh, 
We'll see what happens here from now for the Buccaneers. But it's interesting because Deshaun Jackson, before the game, reports were coming out that he wanted to get traded. Now it's funny to see, you know, ask him what, what his thoughts are now that he has his guy, Fitzpatrick, back in the saddle again. Next game, Seattle and Detroit. Um, this is an interesting game because both of these teams were both kind of written off early. Uh, but Seattle got a pretty solid win, 28-14. to It wasn't the score makes it seem like it's a little bit closer than it was, but it wasn't. Um, the Lions let me down again. Last week I said the Lions are the sleeper team, but I'm taking everything I said back last week. I think the Lions are trash. I don't think they're that good anymore. Um, they beat a Packers team because the Packers, you know, Crosby had a crapshoot of a day, and he'll never do that again. But Seattle has, has put together a couple nice uh, weeks here, a couple nice wins, uh, and they won 28-14. So what do I think of Seattle? I think you start to look at Seattle a little bit closer than you did beforehand. Um, this defense isn't as uh, lost as everybody thinks. You know, I know they lost Chancellor, they lost um, Thomas, they lost uh, Sherman. You know, they lost their big guys, but they still got Wagner. They still got Frank Clark, who's a very good defensive lineman. They still have Shaquem Griffin on the outside, who's a really good young corner. Um, so this team does have talent. So. Don't, don't write them off so quickly. They're not Super Bowl contenders, but they could play a little spoilers here. Uh, maybe even sneak into that wild card seat. Denver at Kansas City. The second crack at Pat Mahomes. The first team, Denver got its first. Denver got its second crack at uh, Pat Mahomes. This is the first team to ever get a second shot at Patrick Mahomes. And it did not go well as the Kansas City Chiefs won 30-23. Sending Denver, I think, into a period of rebuilding. And as, as we see now... Um, with some of the trades that have happened today, we can that point seems a little bit more uh, realistic. Kansas City continues to do its thing though, uh, and they keep winning. Washington at the Giants, twenty to thirteen. Uh, Washington got the win again. I say it every single week when we talk about the Redskins. They played down to the level of their competition, um, and this week was no different. Uh, Adrian Peterson still got a lot of gas left in the tank, and it's interesting to think because. If Geis wouldn't have torn his ACL, where would Peterson be right now? Peterson is right now is with the Redskins and he's tearing it up and he's still looking like he still has flashes of the old Adrian Peterson. He's still a good running back in the NFL today. Um, but if Geis wouldn't have torn his ACL, you know where would Peterson be? He was on his couch in August. That makes no sense to me because uh, I did think he had a lot left in the tank when people weren't picking him up. But now it's clear to everybody that he had a lot more left in the tank than what we thought. Um, it's like when your gas tank gets down to E and you're you're just waiting and your gas lights on and you're just waiting for the uh, for the gas to go out. Uh, and you're just waiting to be stranded on the side of the road. But then you keep driving, you keep driving, you keep driving, you keep driving. And next thing you know, you're, you've went on for 40 miles past your gas light and you arrive at your gas station. Um, he's got a lot more left in the tank than what we think. And you realize your gas gauge is broken uh, at this time. Then next game, Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh got the win 33-18, to sending it to six straight coaches to be fired um, after six straight Browns coaches to be fired after the Pittsburgh game. Um, we'll talk about that more in a second, right after we get through these games. Uh, Pittsburgh, though, looks like the uh, Pittsburgh of the past. They looks like they fixed a lot of the problems. We don't know where Le'Veon is yet. Um, where in the world is Le'Veon? We have no freaking clue. Uh, but he is uh, not needed right now with James Conner the way he's playing right now. Uh, Cleveland, we'll talk about you in a little bit. I know Browns fans are kind of waiting for me to give my point on this. Next game, Indianapolis at Oakland. Indianapolis won 42-28. This was probably the least-watched game, uh, the second-least-watched game after this next one we'll talk about. Um, but Indianapolis, you know, they're still rebuilding right now, still trying to put some pieces around luck and rebuild that defense. They got a nice win versus the struggling Oakland Raiders, who are just doing anything they can to get to the offseason right now so they can get to the draft where they'll be studs. Uh, the next game, probably the least watched game of the entire weekend, San Francisco versus the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona got the win 18-15. I'll be honest, I didn't watch this game at all. We were all watching Green Bay and the Rams and then... Uh, it just kind of slipped my mind, this game. Uh, 
But, you know, going back on it, looking at it, doing some research for the show, I, I saw that Josh Rosen led actually a pretty nice drive to get the win. Uh, he made a couple really good throws uh, towards the end there, so i got to give him credit for that. Um, but, again, nobody nobody was watching this at all, and uh, it's kind of weird they put that at 4 o'clock. But, again, they can't really change that. Uh, next game, Green Bay and the Rams. So I want to spend some time diving into this game the Packers came out, like I said on the last show, this was probably the best chance they would have to defeat the Rams. No Cooper Cup they had to go against. Pretty much a fully healthy roster unless you take Breland out of that, uh, but Brashawn Breland hasn't played yet. Uh, fully healthy roster, coming off of two weeks rest. This was a great chance for the Packers to stun the Rams and get rid of their undefeated record. And it looked like in the first half that they, did, that they were going to do that. You know, this offense looked good. They look fresh. This defense, the defense, the pretty much the entire game was shutting down the Rams. Um, the, the Rams' offense is one of the best, if not the best, in terms of uh, picking apart a defense. But Mike Pettin brought his boys to play, and they were able to kind of, you know, hold the Rams to a uh, easy, not easy. What's the word I'm looking for? They were able to hold the Rams to a overcome a bowl point total you know 29 points isn't crazy to beat especially when you have Aaron Rodgers but again this offense looks stale uh Aaron Rodgers looks frustrated at times uh, with some of the play calls that they have Devontae Adams is one of the best receivers in the game and Aaron Jones is one of the best young running backs in the game and they just can't get these guys the ball um Jimmy Graham is one of the best receiving tight ends in the league and they just can't get him the ball um Mike McCarthy continues to make mistakes, calling plays, um, and then it all accumulated at the end with a fumble on the kickoff with Ty Montgomery. So if you don't know this story, um, I'm sure you've heard of some rumblings about Ty Montgomery. A uh, little backstory, Ty Montgomery was drafted out of Stanford to be a receiver, had a pretty decent rookie year, but then when a bunch of injuries happened to our running back core, he stepped up and kind of switched to a running back position. Now he, he's kind of stuck in a three-headed committee with Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, but he does get his share of playing time. Um, he's helpful because he is a pretty good receiver out of the backfield because, again, he was a former wide receiver. Um, but he still doesn't get consistent playing time just because we have such a good uh, group of young playmakers, you know, especially with those running backs. But I guess he was frustrated at the drive beforehand. He didn't get enough snaps. Um but I'll set it up. We had It was two minutes and five seconds left to go in the game. Um, it was a kickoff. All Ty Montgomery had to do was knee the ball, and we'd have one play before the two-minute warning, and then we had a timeout, which is a lot more than what we've had in the past couple weeks, and Aaron Rodgers has been able to lead the team down uh, to get a victory then. So 29-27, uh, we're sitting in BW3s, me and my dad, my sister, and Truman, um, and all we're thinking about is, okay, you're just going to knee it here, and that's going to be it. And that's what the Packers were told, Packers told Ty Montgomery. Um, I'm told he was told multiple times to just knee it, no matter what. Um, but when the ball was kicked, to everyone's surprise, he took it out. Um, he tried to make a big, big uh, play, uh, and sadly, he fumbled, um, and was one of the main reasons why we lost that game. Uh, I was pissed at him. I'm still angry at him, but I can't. You know, there was a lot of mistakes in the game. You can't blame the entire game on one play. I, I'm a big proponent of that. You can't blame an entire game based on one sole play because there were a lot of things that we could have done better. Um, if it is true that he took it out of spite, which I believe some of it's true, where he just took it out because he was pissed he got benched uh, the, the drive beforehand, uh, then you can't put him back there anymore. You can't trust him back there anymore if he's not going to do what you say. Um, the hate he's received, while some of it I admit is um, justified, the death threats and just the utter disrespect and hatred for him is there's no place in football for that. It makes no sense. Why you give a guy death threats, death threats for fumbling a ball um, makes no sense to me. He wanted to make a big play, and if he would have made that play, we'd be praising him right now, but he didn't. It went the wrong way. Obviously, everyone says get the ball to Aaron Rodgers. Don't try to make the play yourself. Give it to the guy you paid $100 million to. Too, but uh, he made a mistake. We got to move on. 
The Packers played a pretty good game. This defense looked good. Jair Alexander played a fantastic game. Um, so as we move forward here, we can. This is a this is a loss we can build off of. I know a couple guys said that. Um, that this is a solid loss the Packers can build off of and get ready for next week versus the Patriots. Uh, then the night game. The Saints versus the Minnesota Vikings, a rematch of the NFC Championship game. The Vikings lost 30-20. to The Saints have now won six straight, put themselves right back on track um, as we go forward throughout the season. The Saints are one of the best teams in the NFC. Then last night's game, a pretty boring game, um, New England versus Buffalo, 25-6. to A little bit closer than everyone thought, but again, uh, Buffalo is just not that good. Um, and it was kind of a boring game like we all predicted. But we are going to get now into some other topics. This was a pretty boring, bland week eight, even though we did have some pretty good storylines. But we're going to get into it because it was a crazy Monday, uh, and we got to talk about it right now. So the Cleveland Browns decided to go ahead and let go Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley, their OC and their HC. Um I mean, this could be like a regular scheduled podcast segment about who did the Browns fire today. Um because it's a cycle of shit that we're going to talk about in a second, but I want to get through the logistics first. So they fired Hugh Jackson, who is who has a combined record with the Browns of three thirty six and one, pretty solid. Um, then they go, went ahead and fired Todd Haley after about what eight games, solid. Uh, they promoted Greg Williams to their head coach. Um, they put his son, I believe. I saw it. I didn't confirm it. I'll check on that right now. Blake Williams, his son, is now the defensive coordinator. Um, but we'll, I'm going to check that up real quick because um, that would be absolutely hilarious. Um, uh, I can't figure it out. But I, I guess Blake Williams was hired as their defensive coordinator interim. Uh Freddie Kitchens, great name, was hired as their offensive coordinator. Uh, Kitchens was at the uh, the Cardinals, I believe, for a couple years. Uh, he was the running backs coach with the Cleveland Browns, but he was their QB coach um, a couple years ago. He kind of helped Carson Palmer resurrect his career a little bit, so maybe he'll do help to uh, do the same a little bit with uh, uh, Baker Mayfield. Sorry. So the Browns, like I said, they let him go. Uh, they changed everything again. Who are they going to hire? I know Browns fans are begging the Browns to get Lincoln Riley because they because because Browns fans they don't understand football, and they think hiring a guy who just coached their quarterback um, to a pretty successful couple of years, they think hiring a guy out of college um, to come coach their quarterback just just for the sole reason of the fact that he coached Baker Mayfield is a good idea. But Lincoln Riley said no. He said he's not going to do it, which is a good thing for Browns fans. You need to realize that. Lincoln Riley is, is a fine, young college head coach, but he's got to put some more work in before he starts to become an NFL candidate. A guy I would hire, you know, it's a, but there's a bunch of different options out there. Uh, Filippo is a solid name being thrown out there. I know he was the offensive coordinator for the Browns a couple years ago, I believe under Mike Pettin. Um, he's a good name. You know, obviously... Uh, there's a bunch of other names that just get tossed around a lot, but I think Filippo is probably the hottest name right now. Um, you need an offensive guy. Greg Williams has the defense locked down. Greg Williams was the head coach for the Bills, I think, two years ago. I think for two years in 2001, 2003, I believe. Um, so in between there, it didn't go well. Um, I think Freddie Kitchens is a good idea. Uh, was a good idea promoting him to offensive coordinator. Um, I think he'll help out Baker Mayfield. And who knows, maybe Greg Williams uh, softens a little bit, highly impossible, and he will uh, be a solid head coach for the Browns, but who knows as the season goes. But this cycle of just losing happens every single year, and you could almost set your clock to it. Um, So I wanted to go through this cycle of losing, cycle of just complete, utter uh, devastation and destruction that the Browns go through every single year. And it's a cycle, so it circles around again. So they usually start, they get a new head coach and a new GM. John Dorsey um, and, you know, whoever the new head coach will be here. They cut their old quarterbacks, right? They, they clean house, um, whoever it is. They sign a veteran, like a Tyrod Taylor. They trade for Tyrod Taylor or, you know, McCown or something like that. They draft a new quarterback. 
um, Kaiser, Baker Mayfield, Manziel. Um, and then in preseason, the plan is, right, to go ahead and sit that rookie quarterback all year, let him sit, and just let the veteran play. Um, but then something happens where the new quarterback plays really well versus twos and threes in the preseason, so fans start to build a little buzz around that quarterback. You know, oh, wow, Kaiser's playing well. Manziel looks pretty good here. Um, and the old veteran struggles in the regular season. You know, Tyrod doesn't do as well in the first couple of games. Um, Josh McCown gets hurt. Uh, Blake Hoyer, Blake Brian Hoyer struggles a little bit early, even though he's led them to a couple pretty good wins. So what happens? Due to fan pressure, uh, the coach decides to go ahead and put the new quarterback, the rookie quarterback, out there too early before he's ready to play, before he's ready to roll. And they put him out there too early, and he struggles, and the team sucks, and the cycle repeats because they fire their head coach and they fire their GM. It happens every single year. Um, and there's been gaps in between certain things and certain uh, periods haven't worked out uh, as I've written them. But it's pretty much the same plan. You know, you hire the new guy. You cut all, you cut everybody else. You sign, you sign a couple guys. You draft a rookie uh, with the plans to sit in for a while. He's, the starter struggles. They put the rookie in because the fans keep giving him pressure. And next thing you know, the team sucks. The rookie's career is destroyed because he got put out there too early. Uh, and next thing you know, it starts all over again. Browns fans. Have patience. It takes time to build a winning organization. I think Browns fans are so tired of losing that they just want it to be so quickly. It's gonna take time, okay? Uh, and I'm not saying we shouldn't. They shouldn't have fired Hugh Jackson because I think Hugh Jackson should have been fired a couple uh, years ago. Honestly, he was a good hire at the time. It didn't work out. They should have moved on. But to stick to start this whole process over again is tough. And I really want Baker Mayfield. I was claiming, I was saying it the entire off season. I was saying it early in the in the uh, season. Don't play Baker Mayfield. But what they do, they played him, and now he's struggling. And I think he'll be able to bounce back because I think Baker's a little bit of a different guy than Kaiser and Manziel in terms of uh, a strong um, mental, uh, strong self esteem, mental whatever you want to call it. Um, so I think he could bounce back, and I think Freddie Kitchens is going to help. And I think whoever they bring in, it has to be a solid hire. They can't try an experiment. This has got to be a solid offensive head coach. I know every Browns fan wants um, Sean McVay, uh, and you'll, you won't get that. There's no Sean McVay's out there. He's one-of-a-kind head coach. So to go out there and just say you want Lincoln Riley just because he's young, offensive-minded, and has worked with Baker Mayfield, it's just not going to work that way. They need to take their time, and they, and they need to think this over. And who knows, maybe Greg Williams becomes a great head coach. Who knows? So let's run through a couple more of these football headlines. The trade deadline, like I said, is over in about an hour and 20 minutes. We're watching it right now as I speak. I'm scrolling through Twitter just making sure I don't miss anything. Um, but the two things that have came out, two wide receiver trades, Demarius Thomas got traded to the Texans for a fourth-round pick. Uh, he's 31 years old, four-time Pro Bowler with the Broncos. Mainly known for being kind of Peyton Manning's prime t uh, target there for a while. Um, he led to help to lead them to a Super Bowl. Um, he struggled as of late, but I think that's more due to core, 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 poor quarterback play. He's under contract for next year, so they'll get him for another year. Uh, so that wide receiver core next year will be Fuller, uh, Hopkins, and Thomas. So some pretty good, especially two really good young talents, and then you add a a veteran talent like Demarius Thomas. This is just going to help the Texans solidify their their uh, their stance as a pro as a Super Bowl contender. Next trade that just went down: the Eagles. They traded Golden. They traded four Golden Tate for a third round pick. This is the final year of his contract, so he's going to play out these eight games uh, with the Eagles. Hopefully, a little bit more than eight games, uh, and then go to uh, free agency where he'll try to latch on with another team. Uh, Golden Tate was overshadowed early on in his career by Calvin Johnson. Uh, he's been the number one guy there for a long time now since Calvin Johnson's retirement, and he's played well. Um, he's put up numbers. He put up numbers under Calvin Johnson, which was hard to do, uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how well he does with the Eagles, who have been missing kind of more outside targets. So I think this is a good move for both teams. But with that, that's the end of uh, 
NFL talk. I know there's a lot of it, but we're going to talk about college football right now. But I will interrupt anything we're talking about if uh, a move goes down, if I get a notification, and I will keep you updated. So, college football week nine. Couple, I want to talk about four games. Uh, Northwestern versus number 20, Wisconsin. Northwestern won 31 to 17. Truman's not here right now, but he already, I talked to him over the weekend and he, and he said the R word about the Wisconsin Badgers, which once you say the R word about a team, the R word, um, it starts to stick and it gets ugly pretty fast. The R word is rebuilding. Truman said the Wisconsin Badgers are in the period of rebuilding right now, um, which is interesting because last year they went to the, the Big Ten playoffs, Big Ten playoffs, Big Ten championship game were playoff contenders, um, and they, I think they have or they have one of, if not the most uh, returnable starters from last year. So I don't know how they're rebuilding, but they are right now, I guess, according to Truman. This is their third loss. They won't reach the Big Ten championship game. Uh, they had a shot at it because Iowa lost. We'll talk about that. Um, but not anymore. Wisconsin, it's over. Uh, they're going to hang their cleats up for another year. Truman and my dad are, you know, getting ready to compete for the Paul Bunyan Axe versus an unranked Minnesota team. So Wisconsin, they're over. It's over. That uh, big offensive line they had, I guess it didn't work out too well. Next game in the Big Ten, I want to talk about Iowa and Penn State. Penn State won 30-24. Penn State, it's a good team. They're going to be competing with Ohio State right there for the Big Ten championship game. Um as Ohio State still tries to get back into the college football playoffs, which I think they still can. I think they control their own destiny, um, but we'll see. Florida and Georgia. Georgia won 36-17, solidifying Georgia as possibly, I have it in my fourth spot right now in the playoffs. Um, and Florida's a good team, but they're just not ready to compete with the big dogs of the SEC, which there are many. Um, so Georgia won 36-17. Uh, next game, Oklahoma State versus Texas. Oklahoma State won 38-35. Um, Texas isn't back. They're not a playoff contender anymore, as we thought last week. Um, they just have a really hard time getting themselves motivated and ready to go for these big-time games. I mean, for these smaller games. When it comes to playing a ranked opponent, Texas really gets up for it, and they really you know, play well, and they usually win. Uh, and everybody thinks Texas is back, but not this week. They ended up losing to Oklahoma State um, in prime time. So where does that leave us now with the playoffs? Uh, I think we have three out of the four seeds are pretty much, if anybody doesn't have these three teams in their playoffs right now, they don't know college football. Uh Obviously, Alabama's number one. I think Clemson's pretty safe bet at number two. And I think Notre Dame's a pretty safe bet at number three. If you don't have Bama, Clemson, or Notre Dame in your top four, you don't know college football. Um, you know, I put Georgia right there at number four, coming off a big win versus Florida. So then you got three teams I think are really on the outside looking in right now. LSU, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. I think LSU and Ohio State really control their own destiny. I think Oklahoma needs to do a couple more things first. Um, if LSU beats Alabama, I think they're easily put in. And if they win the and then if they win the SEC, they're in. So if Ohio State wins out, I think they're in as well because that means they'd have wins over a solid Michigan State team and a ranked top ten, possibly ranked uh, Michigan team. And then they'd play in the uh, Big Ten championship game. And if they won that versus a ranked I don't know, Iowa or ranked Northwestern even, um, Ohio State, it'd be hard to not put them in because obviously the loss versus Purdue hurt and it hurts a lot, but they almost put us in last year and we had two losses uh, combined with a loss at Oklahoma um, versus Oklahoma, not at Oklahoma, and then a loss to Iowa, which was a lot more uglier than this loss to Purdue in terms of point spread. Um, and they almost put us in last year. So I think a one-loss Big Ten championship team, it's going to be hard to keep them out. Um, but they might even have to do it. I don't know because, I mean, Bama, Georgia, and LSU are right there. Oklahoma's right there too. So it's going to be interesting as the playoffs progress. I'm not sure when the first rankings get released, but it's got to be pretty soon. Um, but, again, we got a huge game on Saturday, LSU and Alabama. We're going to talk about that more on Thursday show because we got to get to basketball now and talk about Ty Lue and the Cavs. Um, but before that, I had to remind you guys that our show is brought to you by uh, D's Home Cuts. So D's Home Cuts is the best place around Northeast Ohio for a great haircut at a low and fair price. For only $7, D's Home Cuts will provide you with a modern haircut and styling 
Sherman and I and about 90% of the guests that have been featured on this show have gotten their hair cut at these home cuts. And we have never looked or felt better. You can ask anybody. Um, the cuts get better every single time because you can always uh, go into Dom's and realize that he has upgraded his equipment so he can give you the best haircut possible. These home cuts, um, you can find them on Instagram at Dom's Home Cuts. Uh, DM him for an appointment and trust me, you will not be disappointed. These home cuts, professional haircuts at a low price. So check them out on Instagram or Twitter. Um, but Ty Lu. Out with the Cavs. Uh, 0-6 so far this year with the Cavs. Ty Lue's record. Um, 2016 NBA champion. Um, but Ty Lue's time in Cleveland is done. Larry Drew is going to take over, I guess, for right now. Um, he said he doesn't want the interim tag, but he'll take it for right now. He, he wants a long-term deal, but the Cavs aren't willing to commit right now. So it's just basically a mess with the Browns and with the Cavs now. Um this came out on Thursday, Saturday, I believe. Um, it was time for Tyloo to go. I know a lot of people, you know, said, you know, I like Tyloo. He's a head. He won us a championship. He was a solid head coach, but he was basically just LeBron's guy, um, and LeBron was leading that team. Um, as far as where the Cavs go from here, it's just another piece of their 2016 team being stripped away. Um, it's going to be a rough season. They're going to be tanking all year, I believe. Um, it's just going to get worse and worse. Kevin Love's dealing with injuries. Um, so the only really hope they had was Kevin Love, and he's been hurt. Sexton's a fine young player, but he's not going to take over for them um, and be the dominant force they need to start winning. Uh, but he's a good piece to build around. So they do have some some talent to build around. They got a couple draft picks too. Uh, so with that, that's all I wanted to talk about with basketball. Um, we're going to Talk a little bit more on Thursday, but again, since we had such a lot of football news, like with the trade deadline and you know the Browns and stuff like that, uh, the show will be running run kind of long if we talk about uh, everything I want to talk about with basketball. So let's get into some some segments. Um, but before that, I wanted to remind you that not only is our show brought to you by these home cuts, it's also brought to you by A's Lawn Service. Uh, A's Lawn Service since 2014 has been providing professional landscaping to many homes around Northeast Ohio. By using professional equipment, A's constantly strives to provide families with professional landscaping at a low and fair price. Stop being dragged around by bigger landscaping companies and turn to A's for all your landscaping and home needs. And you will never uh, find a better lawn than you would with an A's cut lawn. Trust A's for all your landscaping needs and you will not be disappointed. We say it every single week. The phone number is 330-241-2392. And the email is lawnservice.a's at gmail.com. A's Lawn Service LLC. You grow it, they'll cut it. So, a couple segments we wanted to talk to. We wanted to talk about. First segment is who would you take? So this is an interesting segment we're going to start doing um, as much as I can to remember. Um, we're going to give two guys in the same sport, respective sports, current athletes, and we're going to say, you know, who would you take in this situation if you were, you know, let's just say starting a franchise or if you needed, you know, whatever. We have two quarterbacks competitions today. So who would you take, Mitchell Trubisky or Kirk Cousins? Um, interesting question for me. It's easy. I take Kirk Cousins because I think Trubisky only really works in a Matt Nagy ran offense, and I think Trubisky only works in you know a certain type of offense. I think Kirk Cousins is just a basic quarterback who's going to work wherever you plug and play him at, um, which is rare in the league today. He might not be the best. He's just an average quarterback, but he can uh, do well for you in a plug and play type of system. Next. Marcus Mariota or Jameis Winston? So one and two here. Who would you take? I'm taking Mariota. Um, I think Mariota is a trash quarterback. I think Winston's a trash quarterback. But uh, I think Mariota is the least trash out of all the trash um, in this segment. Uh, Mariota has shown you know he hasn't had a lot of talent with his time with the Titans. Um, Winston has. Uh, he doesn't, Mariota's big problem is he doesn't, uh, play well inside the pocket and he gets hurt very easily. Um, and there is that athleticism there. Winston is athletic, but not as, as athletic as, um, Mariota. Uh, and Winston's arm is just not that great anymore. He just makes so many mistakes that it's hard to watch, um, him throw the ball. So I'm going with Mariota here. 
uh, and that is what would you take? Who would you take? What would you take? Who would you take? Um, that's the new segment we're going to debut. Next segment, where is Le'Veon? God knows. Nobody knows where Le'Veon Bell is. He was supposed to report two weeks ago. He's supposed to report last week. He was supposed to report week three, whatever. He hasn't showed up yet. Um, all signs point to he is going to be reporting before week 10 so he can count this year as an NFL year. Um, if I'm the Steelers, I'd be trading him, but the trade deadline is about an hour away, um, and I'm looking through my phone, and they still haven't traded him yet. Um, so where is Le'Veon? I don't know. I think I've heard he's in Florida training right now. When will he be back? I when will he be back? I'm not so sure. Um, so that is where is Le'Veon? Where in the world is Le'Veon Bell? Nobody knows. Next segment, some stuff to hate here. I wanted to talk about some things that could piss us off a little bit if we're not Boston sports fans. So Boston, uh, since 2001, has been on an incredible run of championships. Uh, from the Bruins to the Celtics to the Patriots to the Red Sox, they just win. It seems like every year. In fact, the, sh- the longest gap from 01 to you know 2018 was three years um, between the Celtics winning in 08 and the Bruins winning in 2011. They have really enjoyed some per- some per- some pretty consistent winning. You know, um, 01 the Patriots won, 03 the Patriots won, 04 the Patriots and Red Sox won, 07 Red Sox won, 08 Celtics won. Uh, then the gap, 2011, the Bruins won, 2013, Red Sox won, 2014, the Patriots won, 2016, the Patriots won, and then now the Sox won in 18. And the Patriots are in contention right now, the Celtics are in contention, and so are the Bruins. So I don't expect this losing the slowdown anytime soon. And as a guy who, I don't have really a city um, in terms of fandom, I'm all over the place. But as a guy who grows up in Cleveland, um, around Cleveland, around Cleveland area, around Cleveland sports, that's tough to see a team, especially a city, be that dominant for so long. And it's just, you know, you look at a city like Cleveland, Detroit, Buffalo, wherever, who just haven't tasted a victory in such a long time. Cleveland a little bit better in 2016, but that was the first one in since 1948 you know this team these cities are begging for wins and to just see you know boston just rattling off championships like it's no big deal it's got to hurt being a uh, cleveland browns fan or cleveland indians or you know a cleveland uh, Cavs fan uh next thing i wanted to talk about i posted this on twitter it's a good question we got some time here since i was able to rattle off through some of those segments we got some time to talk about this here uh I don't know which one to call this segment. If it's something to think about, I guess we'll call it. You know, a little thought for you to end the, to end the day on. Something for you to think about um, between now and the next show because we are wrapping it up. Taysom Hill, uh, if you know, has been the backup quarterback for the Saints. I guess you could say backup, maybe not even backup, maybe third string because they did trade for Teddy Bridgewater. Um, he's been this kind of flex quarterback i don't know what you want to call it a hybrid quarterback he's in there on kick return he's in there on punt return he's uh running the ball on offense he's passing the ball on offense he's handing it off he's lining up at wide receiver he's doing it all for the saints so my question uh to you is Taysom hill creating an entirely new position in the nfl you look now uh somebody who's kind of being the second coming of Taysom mills lamar jackson uh, Lamar Jackson's kind of doing the same things, maybe not as much as Taysom Hill is doing, but he is being involved a lot on the offense. You know, he's running, he's passing, um, he's handing it off, he's lining up at wide receiver, he's lining up with in like a kind of tight end type of thing. Uh, so, are guys like this? Is this the new wave in the NFL? Is this the new read option? Is this the new Wildcat? Is this the new RPO? I don't know, but if you think about it, um, college quarterbacks coming from systems who run pretty much a college system um and then you got guys coming into the league who really haven't really thrown the ball as often they've just been basically running quarterbacks you know they really don't have a place in the nfl and their skill set hasn't been used you look at guys like tim tebow i guess you could say um you know jordan lynch coming out of northern illinois a couple years ago keenan reynolds coming out of navy you know these guys have basically just been running quarterbacks um who can throw a little bit not as much um and they come into the nfl and they're you know they face the same questions lamar jackson faced you know should he switch positions should he try wide receiver whatever 
And usually a team takes a flyer on them, and it usually doesn't pan out. But uh, are these new hybrid quarterbacks becoming the next big thing? You know, if you look, let's take somebody like Tim Tebow. If he would have been put where Taysom Hill is, he, I bet you he would have thrived. You know, running the ball, throwing it a little bit here and there, picking, pickpocketing throws. Uh, it's just interesting. It's something to think about um, next time you uh, watch a Saints game. You know, you might see this more and more often. I saw an article where Jalen Hurts, the backup quarterback for Alabama, could possibly find himself in a Taysom Hill-Lamar Jackson role if he reaches the NFL, which he should because he is a pretty talented guy. Um, these are, you know, I think people who fit well in this system are guys who you know, maybe don't have the best arm but have, are just really athletic and just can just run the ball a lot um, and can throw when needed. Uh and it's going to be interesting to see if the NFL transitions more into this role and you see you know, every team has this kind of hybrid quarterback because you can make the argument that Lamar Jackson is just, they're just trying to get Lamar Jackson on the field because he is so athletic, and that's true. But he isn't, um, and he is the backup quarterback. But then you look with the Saints. Taysom Hill, you know, why put him on punt return? Is it just because of his athleticism? But he's not the backup quarterback. That doesn't make sense to me. Teddy Bridgewater is. So I think this is something to think about, and I want to pose this question to more people uh, as we bring them on as guests. Uh, so keep keep this thought in your head, though, as, as uh, things go here. Is Taysom Hill, is Lamar Jackson, is this hybrid quarterback thing becoming the next wave in the NFL? Um, we're putting our... We're putting our uh, bookmark on this thought right now on this take and we're going to watch it grow i think it's we're going to see it grow i I saw i got a little heat on twitter for it yesterday but i think it's going to grow but that's it i want you to think about that uh as we wrap the show up here uh we want to thank you to our sponsors d's home cuts and a's lawn service we ask that you go on itunes give us five stars rate review us and subscribe um follow us on twitter at tnt sports talk 12 that's where you'll hear everything about the next upcoming show uh, if you want to be a guest, you have questions you want answered on the show, stuff you like, stuff you didn't like, whatever, business opportunities, come to us in the DMs on Twitter. They're always open. Uh, listen to us tomorrow on 12 Ounce from 7 to 8 a.m. Uh, you can find us on YouTube if you can't find us anywhere else. Uh, have a great day. Watch the trade deadline. We're a little bit under 50 minutes, and I know I'm going to miss a move, and that's my bad. I should have waited to do this, but again, with my schedule, I had to record at 2, um, but Watch it. Something else is going to happen. Other than that, though, uh, have a great day. Think about the Taysom Hill question uh, and tune in on Thursday. Thanks, guys.